Hi there, and thanks for tuning in to the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You're about to listen to another proud presentation brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit revengelover.com and mention the podcast for 10% off of your order. Wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Derek. And I'm Doug. And is your spider sense tingling? It it is, and it's magnificent. To listen to this show, find us on foureyedradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. And of course, we'd like to take a quick moment to thank our spectacular patrons, Bo, Carl, Eric, Katie, and Jason. Thank you. Thank you. Did I sound uh, like I just had the shit beaten out of me by someone I admire more than my own family? Yeah, um, sure, for sure. Probably not, yeah. but that's what I was going for. You sounded tired, um, <laughs> so same difference, I guess. <laughs> yeah, um, we got another Venom episode on our hands. So um, soon. So soon. I'm going I'm to ask you a question right off the bat Great. here. So the way that Ultimate Spider-Man so far has done its plot lines is that it just kind of does all kinds of plots and, and standalone episodes and stuff like that and what have yeah. you and some shield stuff. And then really kind of the only really consistent like plot line that isn't just the general world of Spider-Man being on a shield team. That's like the premise of the show. The only real like significant ongoing plot line where like there are is major movement across mm-hmm. multiple episodes so far has been this Venom Harry story, right? And yeah. we've gotten three episodes. So like it'll usually be like an episode, a couple episodes, another Venom episode, a couple episodes, another Venom episode. Do you feel like that structure has worked for this show or do you feel like they should have just done like a more streamlined three-parter or something with the story they wanted to tell? I don't like the structure they chose personally. Yeah. I think it would be from from the a dozen-ish episodes we've watched. I think that this is the kind of show that could have taken what I what I attribute to Pokemon because that's one of the <laughs> earliest long-running shows I watched okay. where it would have just a bunch of standalone episodes then every once in a while it would have like a two-parter, three-parter, either because something significant was happening or because it was the end of the season or something. But, like, a lot of them were just, like, standalone stories. You know what I mean? Sure. You could kind of watch them in any order if you wanted to, um, even if there were things that kind of, like, moved forward or were referenced back to it at points. Um, I think this ser- this particular series would have benefited from, like, here is our opening few-parter or two-parter, and then we have a bunch of individual episodes that just explore what how we tell stories and and how these characters react to things. And then maybe in the middle, you have a stretch of episodes that are plot driven and a three-parter or something. And then more like, I I don't like this sort of spattering because then it makes it feel like the things that are connected or are a line of plot are also scattered. 
Yeah. Well, it's weird because I think there is a way to do what they're trying to do, I think, effectively. I think, like, it's on the top of my mind because I've been watching it recently. But, like, X-Files is, like, kind of, I think, the trope neighbor for, like, the myth arc structure of television where it's, like, you have a a season that's mostly standalones and then you have a few scattered arc episodes throughout it. And there's a way to make that work where it's like every, you know, you don't really know if you're tuning in each week to an important mythology episode or if it's just a standalone episode and usually just kind of figure it out as it's going along. Um, That is a much better example uh, (laughs) of what they're trying to do versus me trying to come up with an example of what they're not trying to do. (laughs) And that's a really, that is, that is, I think historically until very recently, that was a very common thing in tv like that was a thing like from the 90s up until very recently that was sort of like that was the basically the stopgap between you know completely episodic stuff of like very old school tv and like the full hyper serialization that we have now it was sort of like in between where it's sort of like we can still do things the old-fashioned way where someone could drop in at any given time on any given week and still know what's going on and not feel totally lost but we are still going to have the sort of overarching stuff that's still happening so that if you are paying attention every week you are going to occasionally catch these episodes that feed into it. And then if you're the hardcore fan, you're going to know which ones to like pay attention to or revisit or whatever, you know, like there's a way to do that and make it work. I think though, immediately what I can tell is that if you like look at episode lists from the X-Files and like you can often find guides where it will have like, for some reason they often use a double dagger symbol for X-Files mythology thing. Like that's just a thing that historically they've used on the internet for some reason across Mm -hmm. multiple websites. So if you look at episode lists and you see the double dagger and you see how it's spaced out, it is very much like, the first couple episodes of the season and then it'll be like nine episodes of standalones and then a mid season one and then maybe a couple and then another dagger and then like another nine episodes and then the season finale. Like it is very, very, very spaced out. That's kind of what I'm envisioning. Pokemon yeah. was a terrible example because those, that series is so long. It's also um, an, an anime has always been a anime structure. Yeah, strange yeah. in the way that it's adapted or whatever and, and made yeah. and all that sort of stuff. But, but yeah, that's, that's what I think would work better for this show, this show. And you know, we haven't made our list with our double yeah. daggers. So maybe it is spaced out better than we're realizing. Um, but it doesn't feel like it. It feels like a spattering and yeah, it feels like there are three different kind of things that they're throwing at the wall at any given time, you know? Yeah. And I think we've broken that down before. There's kind of like the absurd, sort of like higher concept swing episodes that you and I love so much. Mm -hmm. And then there's the ones that tell an ongoing story like this one. And then Mm -hmm. there's the stuff that just sort of feels like the, the machine made it. And those are kind of the three things that are just sort of being thrown at the wall and the pattern ends up feeling kind of random. Yeah. Well, I think there's that. I think, I think the, I think part of the problem is because, you know, X-Files episodes, X-Files seasons and a season of this show are roughly the same length. And I do think that, there it's not been enough spacing between these Venom episodes if that's how they wanted to do it. Um, but I also think if they were going to do it that way where they just have a handful of standalones and then a Venom, a, an important Venom episode thrown in every so often, um, I feel like that I, I feel like the other problem is that it isn't that there's just a bunch of standalones and Venom is their main season story arc. Venom mm-hmm. is just like 
its own weird like venom the venom episodes have been more like you have an episode and then you have a sequel to that episode later um which again i still think could work but then you definitely need more spacing between it i think then it does have to be something where it's like you revisit that like months later and then it's like oh we're doing a sequel to the venom episode but i think they're trying to like do a more modern like serialized story but the Venom stuff is so segmented and separate from the S.H.I.E.L.D. ongoing story, which is so segmented and separate from the, like, Doc Ock and Norman Osborn lightly ongoing story that, like, you have – that it never – it never feels like there's a clear separation between the standalones and the main myth arc. You know what I mean? I don't know, though, because I honestly – and I'm 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 saying this having not gone back and, like, rewatched these three episodes with this in mind, but mm. I'd be curious to – I feel like the majority of what these three episodes are could have had them happen back to back to That's back true. and I it would have worked too. as a three-parter because like Oh yeah yeah. The, the no, I wasn't just act- I wasn't saying that it shouldn't have been a three-parter. I'm saying if they wanted to do this type of like myth arc type structure of not doing a three-parter well, th- I was picking out a better way to have done it where you no, 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 I know, whatever, I know. But it, I agree I I think the best case scenario should have just been a three-parter. What I'm but saying anyway, though is like if for the spacing that they chose, you would expect that part of the reason is because there are multiple things weaving in and out of episodes along the way, right? Mm-hmm. Not just this story. So, like, if these, like, there is a scenario where you still get these three episodes in a different show, um, and they're spaced the same way that they are, and you couldn't just, you know, smash them together because oh well now we're missing this context for this other thing um and this this thing from this other episode that wasn't venom centric actually informs this episode but i don't feel like those things have been happening along the way in the way that spectacular or 2017 would like seed those concepts ideas themes threads stuff like that i really feel and i would not be surprised um if i went back and watched and this were the case that you really could cut out everything not cut out permanently, but cut out everything between these episodes and you wouldn't miss any context because I think the story they're telling with Doc Ock from episode one of this, of these three to episode three of these three is consistent. You don't need the other Doc Ock bits and pieces. I don't think Um, the Harry stuff is very consistent and like the question from the shield side of things is very consistent. You know, it's not like Peter Parker hiding things from shield seems to come up in any other episode. That's a good point, actually. <laughs> it doesn't it's not like we get a lot of focus on how Otto Octavius hides things from Norman unless Harry is involved. So like they all these three episodes all have the same themes and the same habits uh yeah, that so don't true. seem to appear anywhere else. So they they really are just like it, it is like a three parter. They just like spread out and I don't really get why. Yeah, because you'd think they would have wanted to like make it a Venom event or something one day. I don't know. It. I don't understand it. It's it's a weird swing, and I don't really see what they thought the benefit of splitting it up in this way would have been. Um, I, I, yeah. I'm just I'm just fascinated by how they chose any sort of episode order for this, and I would love I mean, if true. at some point when we're covering 800 episodes of the show, we like intersect with someone talking about that. Um, but I. I don't know why they necessarily would, especially if after this season uh, we're expecting it to be or to feel a little bit less random. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't know. I also love it. Every time we talk about it, I feel like the episode number increases. It's like, oh, it's a, it's a hundred episodes. Oh, we've got, we've got a couple hundred episodes left, you know? Oh, we've got 800 episodes of this show that we're going to cover. Um, it's a coping mechanism. Yeah, it really is. It, but yeah. I, 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 I mean, this is the type of thing that just from the little that I know about future seasons, I do expect this to be a kink that gets worked out. And it's just, I think it just becomes a more serialized show at yeah. a certain point. I don't know if that's season two or three, Which, but is weird because even if it ends up being good from just what we've watched it's not what i want this show to be i want this show to be the absurd comedy that leans into not sitcom but like the literal situational comedy you know like not the not the genre structure but just here's a weird situation how do our characters react to it yeah i mean pure definition of like a sitcom that's but that's I think that is just the weird place that the show is in where it's like a comedy show that would work perfectly like that. But it is yeah. part of the Marvel machine yeah. in a Marvel world where especially in 2012, the whole deal was like, isn't it cool that we're weaving these ongoing stories of different characters and, and all that stuff? So like they would are going to want to have some level of feeling like an interconnected world and serialization and, and, and what have you and some some level of seriousness, yeah. even to their comedy show. You know, I mean, we've um, talked about push pull so much. And one of those yeah. is very clearly the push and pull between what the show is actually good at doing and what people think this show needed to be based on what every other superhero thing was. Yeah. And it just, it ends up kind of doing a disservice to the venom stuff. Cause I like a lot of elements of these venom episodes, but oftentimes, yeah, I I think they're cool. Yeah. But oftentimes by the end, I just end up feeling kind of like very like average on them where it's just like cool stuff in Mm it. Wasn't perfect. Didn't, you know, but I I don't know. It's, yeah, this this would be unconventional for us, but I, I almost wonder if it would be worth um, doing, I guess, as a spider bite, just as a mini conversation, watching just these three episodes in a row Ooh, and see how it plays and just seeing way. how it feels. You I know, guess that would be fun. Yeah, because I am curious and I don't know if I'll do it unless we're actually going to talk about it. Yeah, no, I, I think that'll be a fun experiment, especially after yeah. we finish this season and then we can kind of revisit that a little bit. I think that yeah. that'll be a really cool idea. Let's talk about cool. this episode. <laughs> Let's do it. You can watch it on Disney Plus, just like with the rest of the rest of the show. We're talking about Ultimate Spider-Man Season 1, Episode 11, entitled Venomous. Perhaps it is time for you to turn me over to the proper authorities, Espa. Not this time. Seen the news today, Harry? How about the Bugle's rant on the evil Spider-Man pounding on mild-mannered visitors to our fair city? Where's your watch? I told you I smashed that watch. Listen, I appreciate your concern, but I'm all done with that Venom trip. You gotta trust me, Pete. Obviously, there's only one way to handle this. Venom needs to be taken down right now, whatever it takes. You got it, boss. Just point us in the right direction. I'll blast that goo boy into next week. And what about whoever's incited? You gonna blast him too? We're coming for you, Venom! Ah! 
No problem. Whoa, take it easy. What are you doing? We've got our orders. I told you I can handle this. No one has to get hurt. Uh-oh. Uh. No! Uh. Sorry about that. Had to be done. What is your damage? Are you with us or are you against us? No! Where's Venom? If you are watching on Disney Plus, it is listed as Venom Attack there. Um, I was looking around prior to that. It was listed as that same title on iTunes. So it's like possible that this was like Venom Attack was just a working title that, you know, got shipped for marketing and stuff like that. And it's just like been <laughs> stuck or whatever. That that happens yeah. sometimes. That's not uncommon. Sure. Um, but but the official title is Venomous, which is a better title than Venom Attack. The synopsis for IMDb is Spider-Man is confronted with the dilemma when Venom once again resurfaces, caught between either trying to save Harry on his own or putting his trust in his teammates who were under orders to finish Venom for good, period. That's not a sentence, but anyway. Confronted with the dilemma. <laughs> the way it's structured, it makes it sound like that is like proper now, yeah, the dilemma the, we all know and love. The dilemma, yeah. Not a great one. Uh, <laughs> D plus. Original air date was June 24th, 2012. Written by Man of Action, who we're familiar with. Directed by Philip Pignotti, who we're familiar with. Yes. And unsurprisingly, since this is a Venom episode and we've referenced it as basically part three of a trilogy of Venom episodes, uh, we're pretty much playing with the same pieces on the board. But we didn't actually talk about Batrock the Leaper's voice actor uh, because I didn't think he would return. And it was a pretty small part. Uh, but he is here again and he is voiced by kind of a legend so yeah. um batrock in this series and i think this is the last appearance but i'm not 100 percent sure mm -hmm. uh, is voiced by rob paulson who is very well known for voicing yakko warner pinky and many other characters in animaniacs a couple different ninja turtles across several tmnt properties uh and for so many more things and we have talked about him before because he voiced hydro man in the 90s series and wolverine in the x-men crossover of that same 90s series huh wait no how could he be because they shipped i thought that they they specifically shipped over shipped like their like their boxes they specifically like had the people from canada fly in for that crossover i, I thought don't know. is that i don't know if that's right i don't trust that i i trust you more than whatever i did but i saw it somewhere yeah because <laughs> i usually try to find like Oh, have they been in things we've talked about before? So I probably just saw it was something we talked about and didn't dig deeper than that. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I'll, I, I, yeah, I'm not sure about that, but I, I don't trust that. I, I mean, he's been. Or I misread our own notes. That's also possible. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm way off. We'll you know what? Do we? Do I feel like googling this right now? No. Let's just move on. Who cares? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think we're good. Go listen to our X Men crossover. We address it at some point. <laughs> Rob Pawson is the legend. his name appears in those notes. <laughs> he's a legend he's a legend he is he is <laughs> i do love that this episode opens with batrock uh i was very pleasantly surprised yeah i, I love, didn't expect him to be back love this dude and i think he's used effectively in this too because i think it's a it's a fun oh, bait and yeah. switch because they use because he's a french caricature like he is a cartoon caricature like obviously that's why we love him he's so funny thick french accent just leaping around that like there's nothing more to him um but i think that makes it more effective when you have this kind of dark opening because you know we're expecting him to be confronted by you know typical red and blue spidey but instead he's met in like a dark creepy alley by 
Venom in the sort of, in the the Black Spider Man mode that he was in in the last episode when he was like Harry was trying to be a superhero, but he kicks his whole ass, progressively becomes more Venom like and grows the full teeth and 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 you know claws and stuff like that, and just becomes a scary monster and you know refuses his surrender. So that's not great. I think it's very effective because it is almost like a genuinely scary scene that is like contrasted better with Batroc being the silly comedic villain you know yeah it is um it's scarier than i thought it would be <laughs> mm-hmm. they really like lean into uh like the darkest parts of what this series is willing to explore with venom uh and i think batrock is the perfect villain to sort of uh contrast that with or do that to i guess is maybe the better way to put it yeah for sure i think it's it's really effective um, I also like, you know, uh, I like the <laughs> transition <laughs> from like the Batroc in like the mouth of Venom to transitioning that to like Peter's mouth as he's gurgling mouthwash. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, yeah, quite, yeah. quite a, quite a transition. <laughs> it is, uh, yeah, it's like jarring, which is exactly what they wanted, yes. I think. And, and funny. Um, also, it was fully a mistake on my part. I just read our notes wrong. He did not voice Wolverine. <laughs> cool. I'm glad. Okay. Cool. I, yeah, because I would that would have broken my brain a little bit. Um, he was working with the guy who voiced uh, Wolverine in that on a show that I don't think ever happened, oh. along with like Kevin Conroy and some other folks uh, from like '90s cartoons. Okay. Yeah. Good. Glad we solved that that non-mystery. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, the, you know, yeah. So Spidey gets this like kind of really vague voicemail from Nick Fury, which happens after he's like struggling to find his invisible communicator watch, which I think is a funny gag. But it's like this really vague voicemail from Nick Fury. But he's not really paying attention to it. And then he sees a news report that Spider-Man brutally beat an innocent man which I think J. Jonah Jameson specifies as an innocent French citizen, which I like yep. that he specifies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like May is watching this and is like horrified, like watching this news report. Yeah. They really play it for the drama in this opening. You want to talk about this, this other Jameson quote? Cause that definitely flagged with me. Yeah. Too. It's just at one point, J. Jonah Jameson, th- these types of things are always interesting to me yep. in any show. Uh, J. Jonah Jameson says policemen aren't allowed to resort to violence so what gives him the right and it's just interesting because like everyone I think is more aware of it 11 years later yeah. than they were but also in 2012 like since when <laughs> police were still resorting to violence and people were still advocating for that <laughs> yeah even when there yeah. wasn't even if it wasn't the level of like societal unrest that we had like you know in recent years it's not yeah. like police like didn't like their whole action movies around policemen because they yeah are allowed to be violent like isn't that kind of like the whole thing with police is yeah. that they're allowed to shoot people like i don't yeah. <laughs> it's really weird i think it well i think it really honestly just sheds light onto how the conversation of the past like five ish years that sort of like radicalized your average, like suburban rando to be like, fuck the police um, sheds light on these types of things where the conversation wasn't happening for the average suburban rando. You know what I mean? 
That's a, I think that's a really good point. Yeah, that there's a, a, a level of because people were having the conversation, people just weren't paying attention to them having that conversation. And there was always a level of like kind of cognitive dissonance that I think it took a yeah. lot for for a lot of people to break out of. Um, yeah, yeah. But it's just the type of thing that like wouldn't even be written into a cartoon now because no. it would feel so absurd to say it so directly without it being a caricature and like jameson often is a caricature but that's not why he's saying this in this show yeah yeah i mean he's kind of like intended to be kind of like voicing a like correct opinion you know like if if there's a violent person out there they shouldn't be allowed to be violent you know right um yeah 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 very weird but you know it's 2012 i guess yep um yeah yeah so uh what one thing i really do like is that since they they did establish this interesting dynamic between Peter and Harry in the last Venom episode where mm-hmm. Peter where Harry did tell Peter that he was Venom and had the symbiote but Peter still uh never told Harry that he's Spider-Man so I think there's an interesting dynamic where like we cut to you know Peter hears about the you know a dark Spider-Man he knows exactly who it's got to be but Peter doesn't have to talk around it he can go to c- confront Harry directly and ask him like hey I know you, I know about the Venom symbiote thing are you Venom right now what's going on I like mm-hmm. that I like that they have that established so they're able to do that I think that's really Me too. really cool yeah yeah I like it a lot mm-hmm. I think it's really great I also like how exhausted Harry looks in class. I mean, oh I, my gosh. I, I don't like it, but I like how much they emphasize that aspect of what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting too, because for like a second, because again, these episodes are spaced out weird. <laughs> for a second, I was like, is there a possibility that he's not Venom? Like, let me remember how the last one ended. Because, you know, the, it, it, if it's a Venom episode and it's a Harry Osborn episode, either one of those two things could feed into it being a fake out. But then I was like, no, it has to It has to be, <laughs> like, based on how the right. last one ended. Uh, so it's it's more straightforward than that. But Sure. But, yeah. But, I mean, yeah. Like I said, you know, Peter confronts him. But Harry's like, no, I don't have the watch. I'm not Venom. Leave me alone. And he storms off. And then we just cut to uh, cut to him interrupting a call between Norman and Otto, where Norman's demanding Otto find out who's stolen their quote venom technology. Yeah, Harry once again attempts to tell Norman about the symbiote, and I was surprised that Harry just like transforms into venom in front of him. Basically, I figured this was going to be played out longer than this, think, and I'm glad yeah. it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought they were going to do it. So, you know, Norman tries to blow him off and Harry's like, no, like, listen to me. You can't keep brushing me off like this. Fully transforms into Venom and then just attacks Norman. Like, fully attacks Norman. Escalates very quickly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. C- considering how much they kept Norman away from the secret in the last Venom episode, it is very mm-hmm. interesting that it's sort of like, no, now Norman knows, and that's going to be the dynamic here. Because that's then that's the dynamic, the dynamic they play with throughout the rest of the episode with him. Yeah, it's so interesting because they really did like make it a point to have Norman not know in those first two episodes. Right. Um, so it, it at least they do that. And I think the reason I like that they get it in there so quickly is it does allow this episode to feel different. It allows tensions to be different. It allows the sort of way things unfold to be different. Otherwise you would just have another episode uh, where Norman doesn't know and you would have to kind of repeat the same stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. So Spider-Man arrives, and despite warning Norman several times to run, uh, Norman does not, and is in fact sort of like, wow, this is so great, you're so strong, beat me up more because it's cool and you're powerful. 
basically is what he's doing. And what's hilarious to me is Venom just doesn't care. Like Venom has no regard for Norman's admiration at all. Yeah. Just wants to beat up Norman. So as Norman is like talking about how great and wonderful and miraculous and marvelous and spectacular Venom is, Venom literally like backhands him out of a window like at the top of the Oscorp it's tower. So it's good. Hilarious. It's so brutal and so like cuz it's like it's kind of unexpected cuz Norman's just talking to him and then just out of nowhere Venom just fucking backing yeah, him mid-sentence. and he's immediately flying out of a window <laughs> falling like like it happens so fast. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it caught me off guard for sure. Like mm-hmm. it's it's kind of a blink and you'll miss it moment because like yeah. it's so abrupt in the perfect way. Yeah, it really is. I mean, just, just this whole this whole idea of that, of uh, of Norman just being like, "My boy, I'm so proud of you." Now he's staring down this like vicious creature that Venice like just tr- kill uh, attempts to murder him. Like it's yeah. such a fucking hilarious. And, and but also like perfect for the Osborne, <laughs> like yeah. the Osborne of it all, perfect for that scenario. It's so it's so yeah. fun. Um, there it, is it, like a much darker version of the story they could tell if they wanted to, mm-hmm. or at least the way they portray it, because there's just something so fucked up about him, sort of like being in awe of this creature that has completely consumed his son, yeah. uh, praising it and like kind of worshiping it, and it just like beating the shit out of him and it having no effect on his his feelings towards it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. There's, there are many dark places that you can go with that. For sure. <laughs> um, and I also think this is like, it's such a great justification for making Harry venom in this show, you know, like yep. it's, it's such an interesting departure, but like they really are playing with some really interesting dynamics that you have never seen before with both like venom as a character and also Harry and Norman's relationship is as many times as those two characters have been done in so many different adaptations. I've never seen Norman finally be proud of Harry because he's a literal like monster. Like that's really fucking a, a wild thing to do. Um, yeah. And I love that they're exploring that. What's interesting, I mean, I guess it's it's probably because you and I just generally are more open to uh, adaptations that aren't like strict or strictly faithful or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but this all felt so smooth. Like at yeah. no point was I like, this feels like a reach for Harry to be in this situation. Right. Like everything they did felt good. And it's probably because of how much they involve Norman. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think, yeah, I, I think they found all the right things to mine from harry being venom in this scenario yeah yeah it's good. it's good i also uh, i just want to mention spider-man was on his motorcycle for a second and and you know used that when he showed up and i hated it i think it sucks that he shouldn't be on a motorcycle uh but i'm yeah. glad it wasn't there much <laughs> that's all i say <laughs> on the matter not justified <laughs> this time not at all i think the score is now like to this episode i think the score is like uh one to four one time we thought it was cool or at least funny yeah and four times when we were like didn't need it yeah why did you why did you could have web swinged web swang over to oscorp and busted through the window yourself you didn't need a motorcycle like it really it i guess it hit venom and knocked him somewhere but you know what else could have done that cares you kicking him like i don't or a motorcycle (laughs) off the street right like yeah dumb dumb and bad hate it um yeah yeah. It's just, I think the thing that's so bothersome <laughs> is I don't even hate it. It's just so not, it's so unnecessary. It's just like there. Yeah. But yeah. Whatever. Yeah. It just makes Spider-Man like slightly less cool. 
Yeah. So true. Oh, right? how dare. Right? Yeah, now I hate it. <laughs> Making him less cool. Rude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, anyway, ultimately, Spider-Man saves Norman because he's been thrown out of a building and this allows Venom to flee. So it does. that's where we're at. Yeah. So after Norman and Spidey part ways, Spider-Man meets up with his S.H.I.E.L.D. team um, and they're understandably discussing stopping Venom. But their whole deal is like, well, we got to stop him at all costs. It's obviously this monster that's going to terrorize everything. So do whatever you can. And Mm. then they're all talking about what they're going to do. And then the breaking point is when Nova says he'll blast Venom into the next week. And remember, they don't know. Nobody in this room other than Peter knows that Harry is Venom, which is also, I think, a smart dynamic that they're, you know, that that has been previously set up that they're then pulling from um so peter's like i mean does anybody care about like the person inside we know this is a we've seen the the venom symbiote take people over like you people sitting in the room right now were taken over by the venom symbiote so maybe you know seems a little bit tone deaf to just pretend that there's nobody in there to be hurt right um, do you feel like they're kind of selling out these characters a little oh, bit to make this happen? Because I kind of On do. the tip of my tongue, baby. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, there's a couple things here. If we didn't talk about it here, I was going to talk about it later because they say some pretty horrible things later yeah. that I'm like, these characters would never. Like, you are shitting on your own characters yeah, it, it sucks. Uh, by having them say some of the things they're saying. I will say, I have a couple thoughts about this. Okay. Yes, I think they are selling them out. Next thought. I and this doesn't apply just to this episode, but it's a pattern. I feel like a big problem with this show, and one of the things that they were either not prepared to do or or are unwilling to do, is um, allow the characters of Iron Fist and um, Power Man to be themselves and react genuinely and authentically to situations when it would make for a situation that is like harder to write and parse out because iron fist under no circumstances based on anything we've seen would be okay with the way any of his teammates are talking. (laughs) Not a chance. This is the guy that literally told the venom symbiote all life is sacred. Like I acknowledge you as a living being with motivation and thought he said all that before fighting it so that it recognized that he recognized it. Like, right. it's, it's beginning to really bother me that Iron Fist is often just a an extra body to fight with yeah. when he should have complicated feelings in this group or feelings that complicate the group as a whole. I, God. That's driving me nuts. I, I love <laughs> that you said all that. Yeah, because you're right. That is such a big hole in this show yeah, like, and, and, and I feel like this is such a perfect, this this scene is like such a perfect writing exercise because it's like, how would each of these characters, you don't even have to account for Nick Fury and Spider-Man, right? How would, how would each of the four other team members react to Nick Fury saying to go at Venom at all costs? Like, and I feel two like- Two of them would be okay with it. Right. I th- two of no, them would not. And I think that you could, <laughs> like, the easy solution for all of this is that Nick Fury makes the command that like, no, we have to just kill Venom no matter what, like, and not care about all this. And then, and, and the, and, and the conflict is more like the team begrudgingly going along with, with Fury because they don't have any good counter to it until they learn that it's Harry within. And then it's sort of like, okay, now we have a reason to go against what Fury is saying. And yeah, like, I think there's an interesting scene and like Nova would be gung ho about killing whoever it was. Cause he's a dumbass. white right. tiger, I think would rationalize, 
like yep. why strategically it makes sense. And then she Iron- also is the only one who never experienced it firsthand. Good point. Yeah. She never got to be a cool venom. So she is not going to be traumatized by it or anything. She's going to be like, yeah, they were fucking monsters. I want to kill them. And then Iron Fist and Luke Cage would obviously have reservations about it. But I could also see both of them like respecting authority too enough or arguably too much to go along with what Peter, what, what Fury was telling them to do because they don't have a good enough counter argument uh, to justify not. I think Luke Cage would, but I think you found the distinction between the two in this particular situation. I think all four of them react differently, even if they had like two, they have kind of like similar situations in pairs. I just can't buy, and it's because of what this show has done. It's not because I know Iron Fist very well or anything, mm-hmm. but I feel like this show has established that Iron Fist, under no circumstances, would be comfortable with the order to stop Venom at all costs, implication being kill whoever the host is. Yeah. Like, even if he follows the order to act, like, I just don't see why in this episode it wasn't possible. This is why I say, like, they're just taking the easy route. Um, Because it is easier to not have them react. I don't see why it's not possible in this situation and when the team actually confronts Venom for Iron Fist to be the one person who supports Peter, even if he is still attempting to carry out shield's order there's a way to do that i yeah i agree and it it just it boggles my mind why would you have an ensemble team of characters that ostensibly have like diverse opinions and perspectives and not like write that like why would you not want to have fun with that and what is interesting about having an ensemble yeah and and you can use that to create further conflict you know like to make the story more interesting it's really like like yeah like why it feels like they the the only thing that they wanted to use them for in this episode is just to have a team that spider-man has to stop from killing venom they basically are stand-ins for if nick fury just sent his like nameless shield operatives to attack and spider-man's trying to protect Venom from them the only time they come into play at all is like the very very end because spider-man knows them personally and can tell them you know that it's harry to change their minds but like up up until that point it doesn't they don't it doesn't matter who they are which if this is supposed to be my main cast of heroes i'm following why am what am i supposed to care about if they don't have if you're like not giving them any characterization whatsoever in situations where they should have clear characterization yeah it's such a bummer all four of them are given one opinion that changes at the exact same time for the exact same reason like they all have one opinion on this they're just like an amalgamous like yeah amoeba of like like one one character split into four it sucks it's so annoying and it's such a bummer because these are obviously good writers and it's i i dare i say it's just bad writing to have the five of them in the room and not voice any opinions on this yeah it's really bizarre or at the very least like if you want needed to do this then I or don't lazy know. writing it's it's or lazy. lazy i don't know what what part of it is lazy but it's lazy no i think it's lazy <laughs> because you you're you're deciding to to not write characters you're just writing like one you know one stand in for a for you know, basically one stand in for one opinion that like yeah. has nothing to do with who those characters when are. When I really just genuinely don't think it would be that hard because these no. characters aren't in the episode that much. So like Mm-mm. Iron Fist already isn't represented that much. So if he makes a couple sort of like calm philosophical sort of questioning statements that seemingly support Peter or at least argue with Fury in a way that doesn't piss Fury off, there you go. You've done it. 
you know? Yeah. It's just to write a whole new scene. You just have to change what he says. It sucks because I think it really does. Even though the team themselves aren't necessarily present in a lot of the episode, I think it really does drag the episode down a lot because that conflict of Spider-Man not being, not being sure if he can trust the team that he's working with and like what to tell them and when and how he butts heads with them. That is a huge, that is like his entire story in this episode. Like there's that. And then there's the Norman Harry stuff. That's really interesting. But, I guess we're not at the end, but they all react the exact same way, yeah. too, which is also lazy. They're yeah. four different people with four different personalities. Yeah. Let them be distinct. It's so annoying to me that this keeps happening. And I just think this is the worst example of it and the clearest yeah. example of it. I agree. Um, so that's why I'm harping on it so much this particular episode. Yeah. But I mean, I think it, it really hammers into like it, a pretty ongoing issue with this show is that like sometimes when the char- the few moments when the character, these individual characters are allowed to shine, like you can tell like, oh, there these are distinct characters that could be really fleshed out. But like more times than not, there's just like not they don't give them any room to to show off who they are as characters yeah. most of the time, you know? And I feel like, like personally disappointed because I feel like the iron fist they could be writing could be one of my favorite characters in a Spider-Man cartoon. Mm-hmm. Like one of my favorite supporting characters because of some of the moments they've given him that have been really poignant and really like affecting. Um, and then they do this and I'm like, Oh, okay. I guess, I guess that was an accident. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah it's really so it's a bummer it's a real bummer we're only responding especially because it was a venom episode that resonated so hard like we talked so much about how significant it was for iron fist to host the venom symbiote and how integral that was Mm -hmm. to them understanding it was alive you know yeah it's such a bummer we're basing all of this on stuff the show has done and told us and set up before like it's not we're not pulling this out of thin air like the, the, the yeah. show gave us certain expectations and for for and and, and character information and just it were our our frustration is that of, of it not following up or being consistent with it and that's yeah that really which sucks. you know does play into what we've talked about which is there's not long-term character development or any sort of long-term plotting it just should be present in these episodes which are obviously sequels to each other you know right for sure so. <sighs> anyway <laughs> Bad scene. I think the only other thing I was going to mention was something you already mentioned, which is that they should have a better understanding because almost all of them have been in Harry's situation. Like they should have some, Mm -hmm. oh, you know what I was going to say is there is a way to do this in a, this would actually be difficult. This isn't just like choosing the easy route versus the right route. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This would actually be very hard to pull off, I think, but they are good writers. I think there's a world where you could write this episode where from Spider-Man's perspective, what he's hearing them say is not what they actually say. And then you can shed light on what they were actually saying or trying to say later. But that is a much harder thing to write. Yeah. But I mean, I, they've got the cutaway thing. I, they could yeah. easily cut away to just them looking like little demons right. screaming at him. And then it, they're just sort of like, no, we right. were just rationalizing the situation. Right. Cause then you can rewrite that cutaway yeah. to be the accurate telling yeah. of the story. Or, or they like, do in this episode explore that Peter is, emotionally connected and therefore emotionally compromised so like how he views the situation uh he's gonna view all four of them as threats to his best friend even if someone like iron fist or like luke cage 
are trying to understand. Yeah. Well, and a lot of it too is like why it's important for him to trust his teammates and stuff like that. And I think if you have a case yeah. where he's just assume, just assuming the worst about everything that they're saying, and then it there, then they go back and just sort of like, no, we were just trying to rationalize what was happening, but we didn't have all the information because you didn't tell us that it was Harry. If we knew that it was Harry in, in venom, we would have 100% been on your side. So like, it's not, you know, like, like coming to, yeah. you know, like meeting in the middle there. Like, I, and, and yeah, they, but they just do right. none of that. They're just, so there is a way that you could have made all four of them look like antagonists and then clarify that no in fact they looked like antagonists to spider-man yeah uh but they were not yeah or at least three of them were not yeah yeah because sam's always going to be an asshole they you know yeah they're basically every other version of the scene that you could have written would have been better with what they did (laughs) it's such a bummer it was the perfect opportunity to do the study of these five teammates yeah yeah, ah. we simply cannot <laughs> harp on this anymore because we're going to have to harp on it more when we I get know. to more stuff with them. So we got to move on. Really? Yeah. All all of this amounts to the, the big plot point from this scene is that the whole shield team is out for blood with Venom. But and Peter wants to push back on it, but he just simply cannot tell them the, the most that he can tell them is that he does know more about Venom, but he can't tell them what. And that's right. not enough for Fury and the team to justify not going after Venom. Right. And Peter, like, begs to have them not. He begs Fury, really, but the whole room to just let him do it on his own. He swears he can do it without anyone getting hurt. But at this point, Fury just outright refuses and says, not only am I not going to let you do that, I'm going to explicitly forbid you from being involved anymore because you're clearly hiding things from us. And that is compromising the mission. So Peter's like, okay, fine, fine. I will sit out. Um, But of course he tells us the audience fourth wall break that he is going to help Harry out with what he calls some spider mischief. Spider mischief. I like that phrase. (laughs) Yeah, it's good. Yeah. So later, when Venom is sighted at Oscorp, uh, the S.H.I.E.L.D. team attempts to board the helicarrier via that detention hall desk transport that I didn't, I was expecting was never going to show up ever again. Me too. Very surprised that, you know what? Appreciate the continuity. I think this is the right place and way to do it, too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like a huge deal. It's just another way. It's just another way that they were going to get to S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters and it provides a fun gag because like Spider-Man like webbed up their path. So it's, mm-hmm. it is funny seeing them go down, you know, slide down in these like cool metal tubes and then suddenly they just like slam into a giant web. Like that's kind of fun. I, I appreciate yeah. that. Absurd way to stop them from an absurd way to travel. Yeah. I like that. I have no, no issues with that. Um, Love it. Yeah. Yeah. And then meanwhile, Spidey has been hanging out at Oscorp, ready to jump into into action immediately. And so, of course, he does, because he's like, I think he even says, like, Harry's got a lot of daddy issues. So he's Mm going to come back to Oscorp and confront Norman again sooner or later. And like, he's 100 percent on the money. Like, what else is Harry doing with his life other than being mad at his dad? (laughs) Yeah. 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 And this Venom is like totally motivated, seemingly by like the host's strongest emotions. So, yeah, he's got nothing else to do. (laughs) <laughs> so spider-man confronts venom at oscorp and their battle takes them crashing right into a lab that norman is trying to get venom prepped which is very funny to me um hey we gotta get ready for venom to be here crash through the wall it's venom spidey assures norman that he will 
keep Norman safe. Like, and Norman can just leave. But of course, again, Norman's like, I'm not going to leave. This is amazing. And also is like, and maybe don't hurt Venom because guess what? He's my son. Like just announces it to Spider-Man and the two scientists, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Which is actually weird. I do think it's notable Mm -hmm. that he says it with those two scientists in the room because Hmm. I feel like later they say that no one else knows. But Oh, that is a good point. Because I was going to say, I think it's I think it's kind of fun because it's sort of like it's he's he's so proud of Harry being this horrible monster that it's sort of like look it's 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 almost like when a parent goes to like see their kid in a play or in a concert or something and then like elbows the parent next to them and is like that's my kid up there that's like my kid yeah that's my kid. it's like that it's like that it's and it's so funny because but it's it's so funny because he's like a monster that's rampaging and trying to actually kill him like that's it's so yeah. funny but yeah the scientist being in there that does cause a kind of continuity issue but I also like that there's an audience that Norman's like trying. Yeah. to impress with this because of how proud he is yeah yeah know? yeah it's it's <laughs> worth it to have people there for that reason yeah um, i think it works also norman can just have them killed and it's fine that's actually <laughs> a very good point <laughs> is it doesn't venom at some point in the scene say like i'll break your soul into pieces to he someone does. yeah which is such a fucking badass line it's norman <laughs> Yeah, I think he does. It, it cannot be understated how aggressive Venom is towards Norman while Norman is just goo goo eyes over him. There's, and like, it's like it's so it, funny. It is so funny because it's not like there is never a moment of hesitation on Venom's head. No. He is like constantly brutally, brutally trying to <laughs> murder, tear this guy limb from limb, tear, br- t- break the soul into pieces. And yeah. Norman's just like, oh my gosh, she's so beautiful. Look what I've created. It's perfect. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. It's so yeah, funny. At one point, Venom grabs Norman by the head and like throws him against a wall. And Norman just like crumbles onto the floor and gets up and in a full stupor asks, isn't it magnificent? Like, <laughs> it's so wild. Like, he's never cared about anything Harry's done ever. And he is in love in this moment. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. It's so funny. This, and this... all so harsh. <laughs> this dynamic is, I think, the best part of the episode. It is just, it feels so unique. It is so well handled and yeah. so compelling to watch. Yeah. It's interesting because, like, you know, we've talked about, like, how people feel about the way things are adapted and, and whatnot. But I think it's so refreshing that 2017 and this show can give us, like, new dynamics uh, with Harry and other characters we know, right? Mm-hmm. Like, 2017 was Harry and Peter gave us, like, a whole new dynamic. This one's giving me a dynamic with Harry and Norman that I feel like I've never seen. Yeah. So, it's it's cool. It's cool just for that. For sure. This, You know, this Harry... He's not a he, obviously he's not a perfect guy or anything. I wouldn't call him a wiener. That's what I call most no, most no. Harrys. He's absolutely not. So already not points in this Harry's favor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A little bit more on the MTV vein as like a cool guy. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, just as Norman is carried off, the rest of the Shield team arrives. So they did not hear, as a clarification, him shout, "He's my son." Uh, The S.H.I.E.L.D. team arrives and begins to attack Venom together. Spider-Man, of course, determined to protect Harry, ends up working against his own teammates to counter and lessen their attacks. So they're basically like, what the fuck, man? And he again reminds them, someone is in there. This is where I said if it didn't come up before, it was going to come up now. We don't need to go into it all over again. But they essentially say, nah, the person in there is fucked anyway, so it's fine. That's one argument that's made by basically, I think, the White Tiger and Sam side of things. Right. And then the other side, the Iron Fist and uh, Power Man side of things, uh, are just the, we have our orders, so we got to do it. Like, it, 
uh, I said everything already, but yeah. it sucks to hear them say these things. It really does. It's really frustrating. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. The fight scene's cool. <laughs> at least. Oh, my God. <laughs> Again, love this Venom. Yeah. Love the way they animate this Venom. It, it just... I... I'm so glad that I remembered the way that he moves in those Capcom fighting games because it it seems so clear to me that these animators or storyboarders or both played and loved those games. And like that was also their formative like Venom memories. Yeah. One of my notes, I just wrote Venom getting in all caps, big and chomping. I love it. Yes. Which was a move in that game was him getting big and chomp. Big and chomp. He big, he big, great. he chop. That's Venom. He big, he chop. Exactly. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. No, I, I think that they do a really nice job with like playing with like the sort of light shape shifting abilities that this Venom mm-hmm. has. Like he is very gooey, but he also like, it, like they don't overdo it, but like there are points when he just yeah. like, yeah, just gets very big and tries to bite someone. It doesn't work. So he forms back into his Venom self until he yeah. has to get all gooey and flowy again. Like it's good. I think they go back yeah. and forth with it a, a lot in, in, to a really effective extent. Yeah. Clear default form, but like very malleable, very flexible arms shooting out whenever necessary it's great yeah yeah but yeah it's good stuff lots of really great fight moments um they venom does eventually like during this fight is able to like smash through the floor and get away basically mm-hmm. uh which spider-man's irritated by because he wants to help his friend but white tiger is like hey i use these like new cool tiger claws that actually are kind of like science claws because i was able to extract a sample of the symbiote and it's like kind of cool because it's like this big like yeah. uh, tr- uh translucent claw at the tip of her claw that has mm-hmm. like a, the symbiote in it it's a really cool design yeah it's almost like white tiger really did understand and was trying to help. And maybe Peter just was too emotional to understand. Uh, and they could have played with that. What a cool <laughs> reveal that would have been crazy idea. God, I know. Yeah. It even like <laughs> would make sense if she was on Peter's side and did this, like it would, yeah. it would actually, it wouldn't affect the plot. It would actually actively help the plot. Yeah. Whatever. God, fucking annoying episode. <laughs> <laughs> it is annoying because so much of it is also good. Like there's yeah. Yeah. So one side, the Harry, Norman Venom side of things is really, really good. The S.H.I.E.L.D. side is just sold out and uh, sucks. Has it not been our experience with like every Venom episode, though? Like the last one, it's sort of like, oh, half the Venom stuff's great. And then half of it's like Peter with his cold. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, that's the second one. I feel like the first one didn't have massive that's issues true. between those two factions because I actually really liked the way they interacted with S.H.I.E.L.D. where it was jumping around between them and sort of escalated. The big problem was that White Tiger didn't get a shot. Um, and then the, maybe there was like some weird geography stuff, but other yeah. and than the that, stuff with venom itself, like progressing too quickly or whatever. Oh yeah. Oh, that's true. So the, the shield side of things was better and the venom side was weaker. Yeah. Yeah. Actually. <laughs> Damn. It, they can't get them both right in the same episode. Damn. With venom stuff. It seems like. I guess so. Really weird. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, she does, uh, she reveals it like you said I've got this little sample and then Norman comes back and is just like what the fuck are you all doing here get out and after the whole kerfuffle is like I didn't really mention this earlier but like Spider-Man saved him at one point and he was like wow Spider-Man you're cool and then this is a moment where he's like get out I'm actually over you bye <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I didn't think it was like that significant so yeah, it's fine whatever yeah I I do I know I, I like the idea of this next scene because basically I, I don't like exactly how it is executed as we've said it over and over again, but I like the idea of it because basically yes, later that you. evening at Midtown, after everyone's gone home for the day, it is just 
Peter and his shield, or I guess he's Spider-Man. It's just Spider-Man and his shield teammates. And they're all just in the school. And they're just like, what I love about it is that they're telling him like, it's just us, Peter. There's no fury. There's no Colson. There's no shield. It is us here as your friends and your team. And I really like that idea that it's sort of like, there is still this different, even though they're the shield team and they often butt heads with Spider-Man a lot. There is this differentiation between Spider-Man and his teammates that are all on his level and like the authority figures and the organization they're working with. And I do Mm -hmm. like that distinction that they recognize where it's like, even though we're working for these people, we do also understand that like there's a certain level of trust that you can't have with your superiors that have power over you. And mm-hmm. so this is us trying to approach you on a more like human peer to peer level. I really love that a lot because then yeah. I think it immediately forms a circle of trust where they are just sort of like, I'm going to tell you a secret and you can't tell our boss basically. And I love that a lot. I think that that's really cool. Um, I don't love that. There's not really much of a conversation beyond that, but yeah. I love that. I now take, take what you love about it. Cause I love that too. Now imagine a version of this where where Peter is worked up and pissed and angry and terrified because he's afraid his best friend is going to be eaten alive by Venom, yells at Sam for making a dumb joke, tries to like swing at Sam, Power Man steps in, allows Peter to wail on him, Iron Fist steps in, gives him a hug or something like that, and then Aya or Tiger, you know, is able to look at him and say like, "Have you gotten it out of your system yet? Are you ready to listen?" Like it would yeah. be so good. Yeah. <laughs> Each one of them doing their part as a different <sighs> character with a different personality. Yeah. <laughs> Letting Peter to like fully feel it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Showing that each one of them supports him in a different way because they are different people. But as a team, uh, instead of all four of them having the exact same approach, basically just saying like, why don't you trust us, the collective that is four people? Uh, yeah uh. the other I will say one other positive for it's a really minor thing and it's more me really reaching I do like that it feels like Luke is almost kind of like the mediator and kind of like kind of in a leadershipy position in this like when it comes like I, I don't know that I've ever seen this before but in this scenario it really feels like Luke is really the one stepping up to try to be like we need to solve this right now and among the other four team members when Spider-Man's not there he is sort of taking the leadership position and I think that like which I think could make sense where like mm-hmm. white tiger works as like a tactical leader when they're on the field. But Luke yeah. is more like the emotional leader, you know, like he is yeah. the one where it's sort of like the conflict resolver. And I think mm-hmm. it works, even though we have not seen nearly enough of Luke, I do think it works for him in the scenario where he's like, everybody just calm down for a second. We need to sit down and hash this out right now. And he's, he is leading the conversation. And I do like that a lot. And I hope that we get to see more of him in that position going forward. Yeah, I think it makes perfect sense. Within those four, you have somebody who's a tactical leader. You have someone who's an emotional leader. You have somebody who desperately wants to be a leader. And you have somebody who never wants to be a leader. Like, again, you have distinct <laughs> distinct characters with a built-in dynamic. <laughs> yeah. um, but I like it, too. I would love to see more. I, I honestly feel like Luke Cage is probably the character we've seen the absolute least from. Um, and so it's cool to see him get to do kind of anything. Uh, and this is a good moment for him. Yeah, I agree. Because it's like caring but direct. Yeah, yes. It's like I'm just laying it out. Like I'm giving you a chance to tell us what's up. But if you don't, I'm telling you straight up, like 
you're not getting another chance. Yeah. <laughs> not because we're mean, but, but because we can't keep doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Also, all of, ev- all of that said, everything that we, everything that we've complained about how the scene could be better, even though I don't like love how it sells out the characters, I do think it is very funny that when Spidey's like, it's Harry Osborn, everyone's just sort of like, okay, that makes sense. Like, okay, yeah, best friend, mortal armor, blah, 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 blah. Like, I think that is a funny joke, like in yeah. a vacuum. I, I do like that everyone's just like, I mean, who else would it be actually? That, that totally yeah. clicks. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, why aren't you reacting bigger? And they're like, why would we? Yeah. It's like, it would either, like, <laughs> like we get it, dude. It's your best friend. Yada, yeah. Yada. Of and also like, help you. how many best friends do you have, Peter? It would either be like Harry <laughs> or Mary Jane. We wouldn't be surprised by either of them. It seems like, well, who else yeah. would it be? <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, yeah well uh, a call from nick fury interrupts their meeting and you know he threatens them with a (laughs) week of cleaning the helicarrier with a toothbrush uh so they're like uh they they cover for peter basically they're like uh venom attacked oscorp again and fury's like why do they keep targeting oscorp and they're like "Mm, i don't know just it's just a thing i guess who knows and you know so they don't they don't sell out harry in the situation um fury isn't fooled but doesn't push the issue uh before he just hangs up the call i think he just assumes like you guys aren't gonna tell me i'm not gonna worry about this right now yeah he basically says i get it but you better fucking figure this out yeah (laughs) yeah i mean he's probably happy to see this team of five actually on the same page, like for yeah. once actually. So, <laughs> well, you mentioned that Spider-Man uh, is like, why aren't you making a bigger deal about this? And they're like, we don't care. He also starts to blubber about his teammates covering for him and being like, Oh my gosh, thank you so much. But they're just sort of like, get over it. We're a team. We were always going to do that, <laughs> <laughs> which I, th- I'm, I think is funny. I think you could do something sincere with it, but I also think it's funny. Yeah. I think it's um, funny. And ultimately, they're just like, can we just figure it out? Like, we're wasting time with you thanking us. Let's just do the thing. So they start to talk about, like, how can we actually help Harry? And Tiger reminds them, I do have this sample that I took. And Peter's like, oh, my gosh, now that I have a clear head, I realize the significance of you having that. I could come up with some sort of, oh, I don't know, anti-venom to counter (laughs) Harry's venom symbiote. I'm sure that's not a reference to any plans they may or may not have. I don't remember the timeline, but I'm guessing it existed or was on the horizon. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure the anti-venom in some capacity actually shows up in this show. Um, I think it shows up in this show. I just don't remember because you said that uh, 2008 is when he first appeared. Oh, so yeah, they, okay, they are yeah. making absolutely a reference 100 <laughs> percent because yeah. I couldn't remember how the timeline lined up with Agent Venom. It happened before yeah. the show, right? Agent. Yes. Well, or like right. I think right Agent, Agent Venom had just happened in like 2011 or 2012 or something. So like okay. it was it was in the early stages. I think that probably when they were it was. Yeah. Agent Venom was a very fresh idea, but anti-Venom mm. had happened years ago. So gotcha. yeah. Um, I like, I really like, I like the light bulb joke. I think the light bulb joke is very funny where like Peter has the idea and it's a light bulb, but then it changes to like an led light bulb. Yeah. And he's like, what? Well, it's better for the environment. I think that's very funny. And yeah. also like very timely. Cause I feel like that was very topical in 2012. So yeah. Yeah. We're still replacing all of our light bulbs with leds at the, at, at work. <laughs> it's still a hot topic, <laughs> but a less hot topic because less incandescence. Oh, funny. Nailed it. I can tell how funny it was by how much you laughed. <laughs> it took me a minute. It was it was a thinker. Anyway. 
Uh, while Spider-Man works on the anti-venom, we get a little bit of a science montage. We get a little bit of a fake fight montage. Peter seems to think we wouldn't like a science montage. I was loving the science montage. Yeah, I I kind of like the science montage better than what the other jokes that they try to throw in there. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> stick with the science montage. We're here for it. We watched the <laughs> '60s and '80s shows. Come on, yeah, for sure. Um, but while he's doing that, the rest of the team works out how they're going to locate Venom. And Iron Fist guesses correctly that Venom will be drawn to the symbiote sample, and they find out just how correct he is uh, because he shows up pretty much immediately. And they're like, "Great, we should probably fight him off." and give Peter the time to actually work on this anti-venom. So then we get like a big old high school hallway fight, which I love. We get cuts away to like Spider-Man with headphones on, like working on the experiment while they're like fighting in the other room, which I also love. (laughs) I really actually love everything about how they construct this. Yeah, it's fun. I I, I like it too. (laughs) And they they cut away to him just enough times that it doesn't get like annoying or anything. Mm -hmm, For sure. So Spidey finishes his anti-venom, uh, which, by the way, I love Spidey in his Spider-Man costume in a lab coat. I think that's very funny. It's great. It's very fun. Um, but he finishes the anti-venom, uh, but he doesn't realize that the team is already fighting Venom in, uh, in the hallway. Like he's just like hasn't noticed, noticed that, yeah. which is Eureka. a funny, funny joke. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he, when he notices he's done, he's immediately attacked by Venom. Like, oh, shit, this is happening. Whoops. Um, <laughs> I think know. he even says, did you all find him yet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny. I, I like it. He's just like oblivious and sciencing and just not even realizing it's happening like all this chaos happening right outside of him so good it's good yeah and you know of course they just find their way to the roof because why why wouldn't spider-man and venom fight on a roof it always happens yeah after taking some pretty serious damage and dropping the anti-venom because of course he's gonna drop the anti-venom that he just made and an extremely fortunate lightning strike because they are on the roof, of course. So light and lightning is going to strike. Uh, eventually, after all that, Spider-Man is able to inject the anti-venom. And the result is that venom basically just dissipates off of Harry. Yeah, which isn't really what I was expecting. So mm-hmm. I guess I guess we'll see more of of what effect this has or at least i would assume so yeah I wonder, given that he created an anti-venom <laughs> yeah for sure for sure i don't yeah so i know that anti-venom appears at some point i don't know who anti-venom is so maybe harry is anti-venom i, I always forget and this show i, I mean, mean who knows they could do whatever they want yeah i mean not they already have he's definitely not in the comics but yeah in this show i who knows yeah yeah so later uh harry wakes up in a hospital bed with norman by his side and still weak and scared, Harry's like not sure if it's still inside of him, uh, which is like so terrifying to think of that he just had like, yeah. this, uh, you know, this, I guess not an alien, but like this parasite thing inside of him that it's just like yeah. terrified that it'll take him over again. Yeah, because he thought it was out the first time. And like the line delivery, I felt for the guy. Yeah, yeah, for real. I mean, he's kind of been through hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Who knows how aware he was the entire time too you know there was some Uh, we know that there was some level of awareness because there's like points points during the fight where his head kind of peeks up and he's just screaming in terror um yeah so who maybe he remembers all of this which is really terrifying but Norman's like, we're going to use all of Oscorp's resources to figure this out. We, of course, know that he he doesn't mean to cure Harry. He means to, like, make yeah. Harry an even better Venom, probably. Yeah. <laughs> figure this out is a very specific thing he says. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Um, I, I love the choice of Spider-Man shows up in the room, but we most we, we do cut to him, but most of what we see of him is just like in the reflection in the heart monitor that mm-hmm. that Norman is reacting to, which I is such a cool directorial choice. I love that. 
Yeah, I think it's really good. But, uh, you know, Norman assures Spider-Man that Harry will be fine. And Spider-Man's like, wait, really? Oh, okay, good. Like, he's kind of like not sure how to react to this other than just be happy that his friend is fine, but also can't like reveal that he's Peter, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. But Norman's also like, this is a family matter. I don't need you anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Jackass. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, because Spider-Man makes a joke like, oh, you don't like me anymore? He's like, I don't need you anymore. Yeah. Oof. Which is such a good Norman response, right? Really like is. I will yeah. I will cast you aside because I don't need you. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, after Spider-Man leaves, Norman takes a sample of Harry's blood. Like he doesn't take the sample. It is sitting on the on the table or whatever. He he takes it with him um and returns it would be funny if he was like actually drawing blood from Harry. That would be wild. Um, <laughs> but he takes this blood sample and returns to Oscorp to confront Otto. He basically says, Did you know about this? And we know that Otto knew about this. But Otto says, No, I wouldn't know anything about this. How could I know anything about this? How could anyone know more about your son than you, Norman? And he says it in such a shit eating way. Uh, but Norman is so full of himself that he just takes it at face value and is like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Here, do something with this blood sample. Yeah, <laughs> It's yeah. kind of amazing. And we'll, we'll get into this a whole lot more next week, I'm sure. It's kind of amazing that Norman just like berates Otto constantly. Oh but Otto also like takes jabs at Norman that Norman seemingly doesn't understand. <laughs> like, it's such an interesting little detail. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> it doesn't really matter, but it is because it doesn't it's really play into their dynamic. But, but I it, guess it's like the only thing they can do to give Otto like any sort of power in these situations. But again, it's such a it's a way bigger topic in in next week's episode. Absolutely, no, yeah, that that's a good point though. That I mean, then it is something that like makes it clear like Otto is not completely subservient to Norman or anything either. Like right. you know, he's always pushing back on him. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, well, the episode doesn't end there. Uh, it actually ends with a few things. Spider-Man apologizes to the team, you know, thanks them for back, thanks them for backing him up, and they're like, "Duh, we're your teammates, idiot," which I like a lot. I like that it was. Yeah. Like, there was never a question. We were never going to have to turn our backs on you, dude. He sneaks in a jab about them being dumb about science for some reason, and then they're like, "We've got a cool <laughs> new training program, and it's called Squash the Spider." <laughs> it's so funny and cool. These robots are going to kill you. Um, <laughs> And then it just like quickly fades out and just smashes yeah. the credits. Yeah. I initially uh, was like, uh, it could have ended with Otto and Norman, especially given what next week's episode was. But I do understand them wanting to have like close the circle yeah. on Spider-Man actually apologizing. I think that that's, I think that they did. So in this case, something. I'm like, yeah, I think the scene itself could have been better, but I think that yeah. they, they, I, I think this is an occasion where this doesn't feel like a forced button. I think they did genuinely yeah. need to, to wrap back around. Um, I think they were in that. the right like ballpark though, because it's like that awkward way that these teenagers who like are forced to work together and learning to like each other would sort of like uh, apologize and step in it a little bit and make fun of each other, but be sincere. Like I think mm-hmm. they were in the right zone. Yeah, I agree. They I just agree. they just love their fucking shield exercise jokes. And I just don't They're care. Ne- they've never <laughs> once been funny. Ever. No, no, it was funny like the one time when Nova and Spider-Man broke a bunch of shit and they weren't supposed to. And yeah. that was like in episode three. <laughs> and, but that that even wasn't, that wasn't like the same, like I feel like that's not even the same type of joke. Like, no. That joke is more how. 
It was making fun of those two. Yeah, and the other everything else is sort of like we're going to use the cool shield tech to make your life miserable. <laughs> like that's like, all cool. it is. Funny joke, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you know, at least they had their little moment at the end. I like some of this episode. The other part of this episode makes me feel like Harry uh, when he's in the classroom, <laughs> which is the face of the episode. <laughs> That was smooth, Derek. Thank you. Because the first time that we see Harry when Peter shows up to like talk to him, like oh we God. alluded to it, but you know they're trying to apply that like he is fully drained from the symbiote taking him over. They like draw him with the biggest bags under his eyes and just the saddest, most depressed, just like exhausted about life. And probably if he even goes to sleep, it won't be enough to make him rested. Like that level of exhaustion where we yeah. all have been before at some point or another. Like it is so like I'm just like I have felt I I, I can feel what you're feeling right now. Just looking at that image. It is exactly the kind of exhaustion that prevents you from being able to stay awake in class. But the moment you're excused to go to the nurse's office, you cannot fall asleep. Yep. Poor yeah. guy. Yeah, but but great face of the episode for this. Yeah, um, yeah, I dig it. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I wasn't exaggerating with that transition. I think it, this is an episode that has like two clear halves to it, and one half is the Norman Harry stuff that is so compelling and so interesting, so unique and good, and like I think so well handled and well written. And then the other half is the Shield Spider Man stuff that like I appreciate certain elements of it, vague like vague I, in the broadest sense, but I think right, they like the fact that Spider Man would fight his own teammates for Harry, I like at at I like the idea. Yeah. of that yeah the execution though pretty bad honestly really across the board it's almost like they said we hate this team let's make right? you hate them too god like it really like i doesn't it just feel like that like the more that we watch like the more it feels like that it's like the more that they're forced to use the shield team as a team of heroes like it when anytime that it, they've ever found ways to focus on individual members and just use them in a story it works but whenever they're doing like team stories it feels like they just don't give a fuck about them you know it's it's honestly really disappointing cuz like i i don't even necessarily feel like they hate the team i just feel like yeah like you said they're just like not interested in writing them and it's so disappointing because it's like you're 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 better than that. Like you you're just better writers than that. It's so annoying to me that you're just like allowing these characters who you are required to have on screen bring down your episode like this. Like it's yeah. such a bummer. It's, really it's so weird. Yeah. It's so so weird. Yeah, I don't I don't like it. I don't like. I don't it. either. It's a bummer. It's it's disappointing because like as much as I I didn't have a connection to these characters going into the series and certainly don't have a huge connection to them now based on how they've been written, like I'm down for an ensemble if you do it well. Well, it's also like you know I yeah I don't I said it before I said it again I don't care for Spider Man on a team, but at this point I'm sort of like I feel bad for the characters because it's not their fault. Like I know it's no, weird I to really say about fictional characters, but it's just They're not like, bad characters. They've conceived this this team that could that that like I have been convinced that there could be interesting stories to be told with these characters as an ensemble team with Spider Man. And, 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 and then they're just like, like completely, they just completely sell them out and fuck them over at every turn. (laughs) It's like, it's like they were told here is a team, make it work. And instead of being like, yes, we are capable of making it work. They just said, no, thanks. 
And that's such a bummer. I, I, I empath or I like, I understand the frustration of being told here is a thing you don't want, make it work. But they're there whether you like them or not. Yeah. Writers, like they're going to be there. (laughs) (sighs) So frustrating. Yeah. Yep. 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 Um, less frustrating is our Patreon. I I would like I to think it's certainly the think so. Opposite of frustrating, <laughs> I think it's actually really fun, um, yeah. and, and really entertaining. because uh, we have lots of bonus episodes and stuff that we do. Uh, so check us out there. Little as one dollar a month, you get all our spider bites that are just our bonus episodes. We talk about comics, video games. We maybe we'll do a Venom spider bite where we visit these episodes in the future. No promises, but I think that that's a good idea that we might. You know, we'll see how we feel yeah, by the end of the season. I think it could be interesting. Yeah, but uh, that's at Patreon.com/slash Walloping Web Snappers, um, and of course check out our discord it's a lot of uh great conversations that happen on there uh, with both us and our listeners so if you want to chat us up check out the link in the show notes for that otherwise where can we find you and everything you're working on doug you can find me on twitter at icky bully i-c-k-y-b-o-o-l-e-y you can also listen to me on a podcast called novel gaming that i do with my friend katie where we catch up on all the books and video games and sometimes other pop culture we've been consuming lately And you can listen to me on a podcast called Victory Road. It's a Pokemon podcast here on the Four Eyed Radio Network. What about you, Derek? Sure, you can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. You can also find my other podcast gimmicks, which looks at the high-concept, experimental, structure-breaking, gimmicky episodes of television with a different show and a different guest for every episode. You can, of course, find it anywhere you get your podcasts, as well as on Twitter and Instagram at GimmicksPod. Also... Check out our monthly podcast that Doug and I did called Falling with Style, an ongoing Pixar movie marathon where we were watching every Pixar film chronologically. We have watched all the Pixar movies. All of those episodes are out now, including our you know full retrospective of all of them. And you can find that entire show wherever you get your podcasts and maybe give it a follow. So then you get the new episode in your feeds when the new movie Elemental comes out. Uh, Hell yeah. We will definitely be doing an episode on that. Also, visit our website, wallopingwebsnappers.com, where there's a full archive of all of our episodes of both Walloping Web Snappers and Falling with Style. You can also follow our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at wallopingwebpod, or you can email us at wallopingwebsnapperspodcast at gmail.com if you have any other thoughts or questions you want to send to us. And of course, we would love for you to rate, review, and subscribe to us on all podcast platforms that you use and that let you. And next week, Spider-Man tries to take a day off i'm sure that's going to go great it's just going to be an episode about him chilling nothing bad happens i mean we don't finally see a villain that we've waited to do something finally do something nothing will happen <laughs> in that episode i'm sure in the episode entitled me time yeah see ya see you then Funny thing is, I feel like they could do an incredible episode where he does just hang out and has a day off.